Hello and welcome to episode three of the best Premier League 11s. Um, we hope you've enjoyed the series so far. Uh, in this podcast, what we do is talk to Premier League podcasts and uh, find out who their best Premier League 11 is. Now, generally, because these podcasts have a particular English team in mind, we've got some favouritism that goes on, but it's still interesting to see who does make the cut when it comes to your best 11. Uh, joining me as always first is Scott. How you doing, mate? Hi, Andrew. Not bad, mate. Yourself? Yes, all good. All happy here. And uh, also joining me is Iddy. How are you? Evening. I'm good. Thanks. You? Yeah, yeah. All good. Uh, excited to get into this one. Um, it was discussing this with uh, you guys off air and we've got a couple of new names in here. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go down. Uh, but before we do that, we've got to introduce our guests. So without any further ado. Well, it's a big show. Oh, it's a big bad show tonight. Oh, baby, come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a big show. Uh, so, yes, welcome Danny from the Burkamp Wonderland. How are you doing, man? I'm very good, thanks. Thanks for asking me on. Uh, no, it's a pleasure to have you here, mate. Uh, what we typically do is uh, just, you know, ask for a little bit from yourself. You know, how did you get into podcasting? You know, what's your podcast focused on? If you want to give the listeners a bit of a background and, uh, yeah, tell us how you got into it. Criticism. Telling people I could do better. And then somebody went in uh, November 2012 if you think you can do better then you come on because they had terrible audio and so I went on a podcast called the Steve's Bald Collective a play on the name of the Steve Bald the uh, the Arsenal player and a friend of mine was on there I had a moan they said do you want to come on I said okay I went on there and then about two months later the bloke who ran it decided to go run away I don't know what happened to him he left us to run it and that was and that was until the end of the the 11-12 season, no, the 12-13 season, so it would have been November 2012. And at the end of that season, he came back. We got the views up to 15, 20, 25,000 views per show because we were only one of four Arsenal podcasts at the time. Now I've got a list of 161 Arsenal podcasts, past and present. And so uh, we said, well, if uh, you're going to take it back over again, and he started being a bit, bit moody about it. So me and the, the bloke, Gimli, who... We, we got it to those dizzying heights back in the day when you could. We went and started off our own one. And we said, what should we call it? And we said, uh, what's a really, really good chant? And my personal favourite was uh, uh, Emmanuel Petit. His name's a porno flick. I thought I couldn't call it that. I thought, walking in a Burkamp Wonderland. So we started that in June 2013. And this summer was the beginning of season 10. And at the moment, there's, there's about 13 of us. We've got one group of about eight people. And then we've got another group with about another eight people. So the combination of those two, we can on occasion get two or three people that are free to do a podcast. And we do one every Tuesday or Wednesday. Chris hosts the main podcast now. And then I do a preview show uh, an hour and a half before kickoff of every Arsenal game. Then I do a post-game show after. And then I do one called Lone Watch where I go through all of Arsenal. Currently, we have 21 players out on loan. So I just give an update on where they are, what they're doing, what their position was. The last one, I managed to knock that out in 17 minutes. So that was a miracle because I was on my own. And then, yes, the gist of it, we're uh, on Twitter. We're the AFC podcast. Back in the day, that was an original name. But now it should be something like the Bergie pod, but it's too late to change it. 
and that, that's the gist of that's, that's 10 years of my life being done in three minutes uh, no that's amazing Danny and uh, yeah it sounds like uh, you guys are invested you got a team as well so so that's good um, yeah you know it's it's always interesting to hear people's stories and how they started doing it and yeah what how they how they currently organize it as well we've uh, just had a small meltdown uh, with our pod chat because uh, Rangers recently qualified for the Champions League which is quite pleasant congratulations um, yeah that's very exciting you need the money um, no no we got plenty of money no 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 I said <laughs> no, it's nice to have it but we don't need it if we had yeah. to sell you they fucking shares <laughs> ah yes but you saved our club back in the day we should be eternally grateful for that indeed there used to, used to be a bit of a Rangers Arsenal connection there used to be a friendly every year and stuff like that but so it did fall by the wayside yeah I think the, the they used to play Barnet every pre-season as well now the uh, the people who run the club would rather go and play and try and milk the, the foreign fans and get them support in the club and there's quite a few of my mates are American um, that's okay but it still should be should be nice to uh, have a couple of uh, local team friendlies so I do miss those and you obviously had quite a few players with you the, uh, I think the highlight would be the, the, the Franny Jeffers loan <laughs> sorry if you're listening Franny yeah I, I don't think he's a name that's come up in any of our best 11 so far so. <laughs> it doesn't need to be listening to the pod with their fucking ears man he would have heard it anyway <laughs> <laughs> if he's facing the right direction of a good wind <laughs> alrighty let's uh, let's not stand on ceremony then uh, Scott your heads Iddy your tails call it in the air uh, no what am I saying call it in the air I'm going in the air just give us them I've told you what you've got. I'm going to flip the coin for you. <laughs> there was a reason I did it this way around. Uh, that's heads. Scott, you're up first. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, so what we'll do, um, I'll go through player by player. Uh, Danny's given me uh, his team very nicely laid out, all the individual positions and everything. We've got the formation, a 3-4-1-2. And uh, we're going from left to right as well. So we'll go goalkeeper, left, centre-back, centre-back, right-back, uh, left mid. Etc. Etc. Just checking. You said three, four, one, two. I did. Right, no problem. No, just I I like to draw them out. (laughs) That's my football manager coming out in me. My football manager, 2010, where I took my (laughs) local team, God Manchester Rovers, from tier 10 to the Premier League in 13 seasons, and didn't buy a single player. Wow. This was pre-gig impressed days. Well, (laughs) I think so. Yeah. But if I'd, I'd have been a little bit more tricky, a little bit more inventive, there's loads of players I could have put in there that I really liked, and I'm thinking about it, but go on. Uh, so, it's over to you now, isn't it? You've got to guess them. Indeed. Um, so we're going to have Scott up first, and then we'll just go through alternating as we go. Everyone's going to have a guess, so if the first person can't get it, second person's going to have a crack as well. And uh, then, yeah, afterwards, Danny, you'll put them out of their misery. So mm. let's not fart around anymore. Let's start with the goalkeeper. Um this is an English goalkeeper who played for Peterborough United uh, and Birmingham City, along with a couple of other teams, and made 75 appearances for his national team, which is England, as I mentioned. Uh, Scott, you're up first, mate. Any ideas? Yeah, he, he most famously got lobbed for about 40 yards for Ronaldinho in 2002. That'll be David Seaman. And Danny, can you confirm if that's correct or not? That is that is true, yes. I think there's only a choice of two goalkeepers, or well, three, if you want to go back to Bob Wilson, but there's only three goalkeepers that could ever have made the Arsenal best 11. 
No, absolutely, mate. Um, I'm not entirely sure if uh, Seaman's come up on this uh, this so far. So, uh, yeah, Danny, talk us through uh, why David Seaman made your team. Uh, he played for my local team, Peterborough United, the mighty posh. They're only 15 minutes away from me. And he's. Uh, I met him. I met him at his testimonial. He. Uh, I was in the crowd and he came over and he. Uh, I said, uh, oh, you like a bit of fishing, don't you? And he went, oh, do you like fishing? I said, no. And he said, oh, I'm in the middle, the middle of the programme. And there's a picture of me with some fish. He took the programme off me and signed it. And I looked at him and thought, I didn't want you to sign it. And then he, then he walked off. But I think, uh, apart from being the best goalkeeper, he's probably got the best uh, moustache. And he said porn star moustache then. He's got the best moustache in, in in Premier League history. I mean, you're not really going to get anything much better than that, are you? So, old safe hands, hell of a goalkeeper. Well, yeah, uh, Scott, I'm going to let you talk about David Seaman first, mate. Yeah, well... <laughs> I think it's I think it's quite sad that <clears throat> obviously that World Cup is one of one of the moments, but it, that's the joys of being a goalkeeper. It's you can have the amazing moments, but you'll always be remembered for one howler. But David Seaman was a, a fantastic goalkeeper. He was like you said, say fans. He was steady for so so long. I mean, I think the majority of my life growing up when I began watching football and the Premier League and that he was always with. I think he went to Arsenal maybe about 1990 I think and I would have only been a year or two old um, so yeah just yeah the moustache the, the, he, was a, he was a big goalie too man. I mean, you're, you're not talking a wee guy here uh, very in command of his area but he had quick reflexes quick on his hands uh, quick on his feet and no just honestly a, a cracking goalkeeper um, I'm glad that he's I'm glad that a bit of favouritism crept up here because I think obviously we, we do get a bit repetitive with some of the some of the players that do get brought up so it's nice to see a new face come in there and then definitely a, a welcome one in David Seaman yeah for sure uh Eddie um I'm sure you're still bitter about losing the coin toss but if you want to give your thoughts on David Seaman what do you think mate yeah um first off he has been brought up on the pod but he's never been picked on the pod he was mentioned when we were doing the um I feel like it was the Spurs one and they'd picked Schmeichel and they said that really the only other person they could have thought of was Seaman but they didn't want Seaman in the team because of the obviously the Spurs Arsenal thing um, he was a great goalkeeper he like like Scott said there he was unbelievable reflexes um, he was great at taking crosses really brave goalkeeper and I'm going to contradict myself over the next couple of statements, but he, he did have really good positional sense as well and a great command of his area. But my main memories of Seaman, and, and the, this is really sad, but my, my three main memories of Seaman is the one that Scott said where he got lobbed by Ronaldinho, um, the Real Zaragoza goal in the Cup Winners' Cup, where he got lobbed from like nearly the halfway line or just over the halfway line. And my, my most memorable part was it actually goes back to euro 96 and i think it was on fantasy football but i I can't say for definite but they did a clip where they were talking about it was just kind of a like a montage of what happened on euro 96 and it was where scotland could have actually qualified for the knockout stage if england had managed to beat uh, holland 4-0 and it just showed a little clip of uh, terry venables turning to his assistant manager at the time saying what's the Scotland score in, uh, against Switzerland and Scotland were winning and he said does that mean they're going through and he's like yeah because we're winning 4-0 they're going through and he turns to the 
the pitch and he shouts, Oi, Seaman, through your legs. And then uh, Holland score um, nutmegged Seaman for the goal. And that's what put Scotland out. And like obviously that didn't happen, but it was just a funny clip. And that's what's always stuck in my mind. So whenever someone mentions David Seaman, I always just think of Terry Venables telling him to let a goal in to make sure Scotland didn't qualify in Euro 96. So the 12 trophies that he won with Arsenal, they don't pop up at all. <laughs> nah, never. <laughs> They're the three. It's it's a really sad thing because he was a great keeper and he won so much. But the three main things I remember are those those uh, goals against him. Yeah, I mean, as Danny says, you know, obviously highly successful uh, individually and um, and yeah, was was pretty long longevity as well you know pretty good for that um 731 appearances so wikipedia tells me and that's never ever been wrong um that's just as, as a lead player obviously and uh and yeah you know obviously a well-known uh, player as well so yeah no I, I think i think it's a good pick um but yeah let's not let's not dwell let's stunning let's here on. as well he did have well of here. course yeah i was gonna i was gonna query the uh the moustache because you know a league that's had soonest in it can we really you know argue but we're going to be rangers fans and biased on that one i think um but let's move on to uh your left center back uh again i think a player who's not come up before um and either you're going to be guessing this one uh played for well just one team so can't really tell you who that is um but made 504 appearances um and scored 32 goals i'm i'm gonna guess it's mr arsenal himself tony adams danny do you want to put it out of his misery it is indeed the man we share the same birthday he's four years older than me though uh, 672 arsenal games all competitions i always thought he was going to make it and beat david o'leary's 722 but the but his last couple of seasons he was ravaged with injuries he had no knees no cartilage no hips no ankles left and he still managed to uh, play a handful of games but yeah he's, uh, my favorite player ever is uh but sadly he's not one of those players that you'd ever want to meet because i think he would bore the arse off you sadly but he's a uh, the, the 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 best captain Arsenal ever had. My favourite player is an he should be in England, one of England's greatest ever players. And I think if he wouldn't have had a few personal demons back in the day, then uh, I think he would be much highly higher in much higher regard by supporters of teams other than Arsenal. No, and again, I think uh, a new name, uh, a new selection for for this uh, this pod. Uh, Idi, your your thoughts on Tony Adams? Yeah, Tony Adams was a great player. He brilliant positional sense. I mean, Arsenal were very famous for that offside trap that they were able to um, use in games, particularly when Adams was there. And you've got to have that kind of awareness of what's going on around you, where everyone on the pitch is, to be able to pull that off. And they pulled it off just with perfection. So his positional sense was phenomenal. He was really brave, a great leader. Um, a, a really kind of strong leader that people were willing to follow. I, I don't know about the boring parks. I've never really listened to him outside of the football pitch, but you could see he had a great command on the pitch. Um, he was well respected by his team. And it was just one of those guys that if he's in the back four, you knew that you were going to have a rock solid performance from him. I mean, you don't end up having, what was it? 534 appearances. Did you say? All, uh, all competitions, 672. 
wow, 672 appearances for Arsenal. And that's not just, like, I know they've had their up and down periods, but a lot of that time was during their kind of most successful period. Um, and I think he was cap- he's the most successful captain ever for Arsenal as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that just screams out just how exceptional he was. And for a manager like Arsene Wenger to to want to keep you on and be the spine of that team just shows that you're a great player. All that, and he's going to be a contestant on Strictly Come Dancing. You know, what can't he do? Uh, Scott, how about you, mate? Uh, your views on Tony Adams? I, I don't know where the boring thing comes from, because like I said, uh, <clears throat> he's going on to Strictly, and we remember he's, he's dancing warm-up when he was managing Granada briefly <clears throat> uh, a couple of years ago, but... No, I, I agree with what Danny said right there. Yeah, yeah, he's the best Arsenal captain and he, he was the backbone of that team. And well, I don't know how maybe the Arsenal fans feel about it, but they've never replaced what he brought to the team. They've never replaced that spine, that backbone, that strength. I mean, I, I, see when you look at the old teams like the Man United teams with Fergie and Man United could be 2-0 down and you wouldn't bet against them. See Arsenal now, see if Arsenal go 1-0 down, I'm like, game over. Like, Whereas when it was Tony Adams, you were sitting going, nah, 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 that's, that's a daft goal, they'll G them up, they'll fight. And he was obviously, he was captain famously during the era when they were used to sing 1-0 to the Arsenal. They were a very, very solid de- uh, defensive side. Um, I think one of my favourite bits with Tony Adams was his, his very high-pitched scream. I think he was the, one of the first players caught with a mic'd up ref mm-hmm. uh, against uh, Millwall, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it was David Ellery that was mic'd up and uh, he got done for saying the C word but this is a C word we can actually say on the podcast it was fucking cheat <laughs> uh, so I definitely remember that clip but Tony Adams yep a man who Arsenal have not replaced true uh, that's pretty poor form after uh, you know he's not been in the Arsenal team for a, a fair while now so uh, yeah um, but obviously highly successful both with Arsenal as well as you know individually and a one club man as well um something that's becoming rare and rare these days so um so always good to see uh we're going to move on now to our next player uh just explicitly the center back in your team here Danny um played for Notts County once <laughs> Newcastle United seven times um, and a couple of other London teams uh, as well. And Scott, I think it's your guest now. Uh, the famous Judas of North London, I believe that will be Sol Campbell. <laughs> uh, yeah, Danny, go ahead, mate. Yeah, that is. It's uh, he spent a, he spent a lovely time on on the south coast as well. We've uh, won the FA Cup with Portsmouth. I remember the day where we signed him, I was pulling into the car park at my mum's house and I heard it on Radio 5 and I thought it was a mistake or, or, or um, an April fool. Uh, and to this day, I still judge him that he shouldn't have. I'm glad that he did, but for a player, their best player to go, I mean, Tony Adams, were uh, Spurs tried to sign Tony Adams a couple of times and, and Alex Ferguson wanted him at Man United and he said, no, I'm, I'm an Arsenal man, I'm never leaving. And for, for Sol Campbell to play over 300 games for Spurs and then when his contract renewal comes that goes nah I'm going to go play for the Arsenal and uh, I think he won did he win anything with, with Spurs I know most players don't win anything with Spurs maybe he won a league cup and then uh, his first season with Arsenal he does a league and cup double his third season with Arsenal he goes invincible 
and then uh, then it, sadly he only spent five seasons with Arsenal, which is uh, 197 games, 11 goals, and he did come back a little a few years later and only played 14 games. But yeah, I think he he had um, uh, mental health issues, so he wanted to leave London, leave Arsenal, and he went and played for Portsmouth and did brilliant for them. But yeah, I think he left probably four seasons too early, which was a shame because he's a, a magnificent player and another very boring man. Uh, I, I like my footballers to be like Ray Parler and Paul Merson, and <laughs> I think they're just more interesting when they're like that. But yeah, great player, but yeah, he should be never be forgiven for by the Spurs fans. Not that he ever will, but what he did was unforgivable. He went for Mo Johnson nearly. You had to have felt absolutely rotten for him when he <laughs> scored that goal in the Champions League final and it got ruled out. I was, I was there. Oh no, it didn't. No, he scored. Uh, his goal oh, counted. Was that the one that counted? Yeah, and it was. Um, we did score a goal in the final that was disallowed, I think. But yeah, I was. In, I drove to Paris and back in the same day, and I, I was. We was robbed. I think one of your lot was on playing for for um, Barcelona on the day Van Bronckhorst, wasn't he? Yeah, our manager was. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody man. I love that you've described him as one of our lot. He was one of yours as well. No, That's you true. disowned him. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I remember about him is a knee brace. That was it. And, and been a bit nippy down the wing. Even though, was he left back, left wing back? I mean, how do you describe a player like Oops. that? Uh, left left back for you is one of you. Sent him mid for us. Uh, eight and a half million. Bargain. And then he broke himself. Shame. Um, yeah, I'm sure the board at Rangers was devastated by that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, let's, uh, yeah, we, we've obviously uh, talked about Sol Campbell before. It's not the first time he's come up. But yeah, Scott, uh, any uh, any particular views on uh, on Sol Campbell? Just a, a solid choice uh, and an interesting tip, but he was on the cover of FIFA 2000 as we go into the last year of EA Sports FIFA. Oh, we're not supposed to timestamp these, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful we'll have it out just before, you know, next year. We'll see. Um, uh, but, yeah, as we talked about before, I'm going to move past them and uh, move on to your next pick, Dano. Uh, your right centre-back. Um, a guy who's played for Reading five times and uh, Brighton and Hove Albion 23 times, as well as a couple of other teams as well. Uh, but, Eddie, it's your guess, mate. Listen, I'm, uh, with the theme of what we've got going, I don't know if this is right or not, but I'm just going to have to go with Martin Keown. Danny, let him know. He is the one who we used to chant, he's got a monkey's heed. <laughs> he had a big head with big ears. Certainly was. It was the rude Van Nistroy destroyer himself. Martin Keown, and another player who had two spells at Arsenal, where George Graham let him go after after only one season, went off to Brighton on loan a couple of times, and then he went off to Aston Villa, and then he went off to Everton and did quite well then, and we bought him back for 2.2 million halfway through the season, and then he came back and played 422 games for us, and for me, I mean, he covered it right back a few times, and, and he was obviously known for being a centre-back, played for England, a bit of a grunt, another one who's a player I wouldn't really want to meet, he's very miserable when he's on the telly, He's always got a face like a smacked ass, and it's been quite down about Arteta recently, which is a, it's, that's annoyed quite a few Arsenal fans of his views. I know it's uh, saying that a bum young should have been given another chance. That's what he was saying. But as a player, you weren't going to mess with him. When you've got a back three of Adams, Campbell and Keogh, and as, as a striker, you know you're going to end up uh, with, with 
broken bits or bruised bodies and you're going to need an ice pack somewhere on your body but all three all classic english rock hard center backs that we don't have many of this day these days no definitely and uh, i think he he has come up uh once or twice before as well um but yeah i'll, I'll let you get into it today i don't think he's actually been selected before has he um we might have discussed him but I'm, i don't oh, remember not, actually yeah, being no. selected but yeah again it's an, another great pick i mean him and tony adams together were an absolute phenomenal center back pairing i was kind of going in i wasn't sure if you were going to maybe pick colo toure but as soon as uh, andrew gave the teams that were the, the hints i was like nah <laughs> colo toure's never played for brighton and hove albion um yeah a very strong defender very brave defender he played with his heart in his sleeve he was you could tell he loved arsenal and, and winning meant a lot to him um he probably got a lot of that from tony adams being in a partnership like that you you kind of have to develop some sort of common interest and in i know he played for arsenal twice but he played for many other clubs but you could see just how much it meant to him when he played just the the rude van Nistelrooy um incident that you mentioned just shows that you know you get it the adrenaline's rushing but to actually be willing to jump in the face and cause that kind of a commotion just shows that you you, your heart's really in it and yes it might come off a little bit not favorable if you're if you're not a fan of the team but at the same time you know we're talking about professionals who are giving their all they're out there trying their best in front of thousands and thousands of people and when you get that kind of moment and that kind of um, incident happens, you, you know that kind of you've got to just ignore the fact that it might not be in the best uh, sportsmanship and realise that these people are putting everything on the line to try and win a game. And he's just the kind of guy that when your backs are against the wall, you know that he's going to be going in, he's going to fly into every tackle, he's going to throw himself in front of every ball. If there's a shot coming in from long distance and you're trying to defend a 1-0 lead, he's going to stick his face in front of that ball to make sure that it doesn't go in, just to give your team the best chance of winning. And again, positional awareness, um, I'll go back to it, but that kind of offside trap, yeah, it's probably been employed by many teams over the years, but in my head, it's always the Arsenal offside trap because they were just so effective at employing it. And that comes from great positional awareness of him and Adams um, and being able to kind of uh, talk the, the fullbacks into knowing when to go forward and when to step forward. So for me, I think if you go in with a back three, you've probably picked um, the, the best pairing or the best triplet because the three of them would have worked really well together. I mean, obviously, Keon and Adams already did, but throwing Saul Campbell in there as well, who... Is probably the best footballer of the three, um, but maybe he's not the best defender of the three. That's why um, I'm in the middle, being the one that brings the ball out and does a little bit of magic yeah. in doing that. So I, I think for a, a back three there, you've picked a, a really good triplet. Thanks. No, I always like to see that. Uh, not only you know people just straight up picking the best players, but also how well are these guys going to work together? Because we've had one or two teams which are just let me list all the best players in all the best positions <laughs> um which, which can get a little samey uh, obviously with our our world's best 11 but um yeah it's it's always interesting to, to go that extra mile and and uh and think it through uh 10 professional honors all one with arsenal um so you know absolutely uh, gonna be well regarded amongst uh, the faithful there danny uh scott you got any uh, any dissension about martin keown uh but what are your views mate 
no dissension at all. Proper hard cunt. Fucking, <laughs> that's what I like in a team. A good fucking hard player. Like Eddie said, throw himself in front of anything to get away the ball. Never flinched a 50-50, never flinched a, ta- never flinched a tackle where he was 90-10 to come off worse. He was just a proper old-school hard centre-half. And again, something that Arsenal are severely lacking. Good stuff. Okay, well, let's uh, move on to the midfield then, Danny. Uh, First up, your left midfielder played for Udinese, Inter Milan and Marseille twice at time of recording. Uh, Eddie, no, Scott, you're up first, mate. Left midfielder. Can you give me the clubs again, Andrew? Absolutely. Udinese, Inter Milan, and Marseille. There's a couple of others, but I've left them off because it might make it a little bit too easy. See, the the Marseille's steering me down the avenue, I thought. But then again, the Inter Milan thing's starting to throw me. So I think this is going to be be one of the ones that I'm not going to get correct um, I was probably thinking along the lines of Bobby Perez ah, very close it but is uh, but unfortunately not right uh, Eddie do you want to take a shot at this one mate did you say he plays for Marseille now uh, I didn't quite say that Wait, Eddie, but, currently. He, <laughs> yeah. but at time of recording Alexis that's Sanchez. just how many <laughs> uh, yeah, Danny, can you confirm if that's correct? That is indeed correct. I have dumped Bobby Perez out of the side, and of my all-time Arsenal eleven, normally this wouldn't be my Arsenal eleven because I'd have left backs and centre backs, left back and right back, uh, which would usually be um, uh, Ashley Cole and Lee Dixon. But I thought I'd mix it up a little bit here. But I've actually got rid of uh, Perez and played him on the left because. He was an absolute sensation. I and mean, I'm actually getting aroused just thinking about how good a player he was. He was step two of the, the transformation of Arsene Wenger's Arsenal. Step one was that uh, that Ozil person. Step two, the next season, Sanchez. Step three, we were all eagerly awaiting, thinking, what world-class player are we going to make as our big signing in, in the summer of 2015? And we got Petr Cech, and we all went, well, that's that fuck then, isn't it? That's over. That's a big stinking turd on the Arsenal, um, trying to get rid of that, all those years of winning almost nothing apart from a couple of FA Cups, but getting us back to the big time, being back at the top where uh, some of us Arsenal fans, fans think we should be finishing eighth and and been not getting um, spanked by Bayern Munich or Barcelona every time in the Champions League and, and just being an, a, a joke of a club. And then we signed this man, his first season, 25 goals in 52 games. And and over the next three and a bit seasons before, <laughs> before his hilarious move to Man United, 80 goals in 166 games. Now, when you watch him play, you think he was a bit greedy, but he was eager. And I think they moved the um, the Copa Libertadores, the I think that's what it's called, the South American Championship. And I think they played three of those in four years. And plus, over that four years, for Arsenal and Barcelona, he played about 210 games, all competitions. And he played three national tournaments, and he might have gone to a World Cup. And I remember every summer, 
he wasn't getting a rest. And we thought, how how long will this go on? And now we've seen once he went to Inter Milan, ah, oh, that's what happened. He's, when he went to Man United and Inter Milan, uh, he is they, he is broken about the age of 32, but very angry at him for leaving. But the fact that they paid him what's it 500,000 pound a week to play the piano at Man United, and he scored five goals in 45 games. He scored more goals than that in the 19 games in the Premier League before, in the season before, uh, that he left us for. But just absolutely magical. You knew when he got the ball, something was going to happen. And it was just an absolute delight to watch. And to, to, to oust Bobby Perez out of my Arsenal 11 for the left-hand side is just shows what a magnificent player he is. And he will be forever loved. Um, if he'd have gone to Man United and done stuff like that, like the um, Van Persie, then he wouldn't be in my eleven. But as he went there and he nearly bankrupted that club single-handedly, he's, he's straight in. Uh, well, there's a lot of good reasons there to have included them then, Danny. Um, and yeah, I think, as you say, those international appearances probably, def- well, probably definitely took their toll. Yeah, that's a good sentence. Um, but Chile's all-time goal scorer, uh, all-time appearance holder as well, with 48 and then 148 goals and appearances, respectively. Um Idiots, you got this one right. Uh, give us your thoughts on Alexis Sanchez. So I've got to admit, I wasn't expecting to be talking about Alexis Sanchez tonight. Um, yeah, he he was. See, when he went to Barcelona, he was absolutely brilliant to watch. Uh, that front three of him, Messi, and David Villa. I always loved David Villa when he was at Valencia. So that front three were just phenomenal. And then he went to Arsenal, and um, he continued. He was. I think he had a rough start to begin at Arsenal. It took him a while to get going, but once he once he got going, he was really really phenomenal. I mean, he he was so good. It ended up being a case of the, the two Manchester teams were battling it out for him. Both wanted him. Um, I I wasn't aware of him playing so many games over that kind of short period of time. Um, and that kind of explains a lot going into it. But for me, he was he had everything in his time at Arsenal. He had speed he had skill he had uh, finishing ability and and he was just really fun to watch he was the type of player that he actually when he got the ball you were you were happy to sit and watch and see what he was going to do next whether it was going to be um a splitting pass if he was going to take on a defender or if he was just going to rifle it into the top of the top of the net he was a really enjoyable player to watch then obviously he went to man united his wages were ridiculous he was barely ever playing. He became a bit of a joke. He went into Milan. I don't really think he had much of a massive impact in Milan. I could be wrong. I don't watch a lot of Syria, but I just seem to remember any time I did watch in Milan, he was either on the bench or he was injured, and and it just seemed to be almost like his career just kind of stalled really early. Um, and then when I heard he went to Marseille, I was like, oh, I actually thought he'd retired, to be honest. Um, so it was interesting to hear he'd gone there. But hopefully he can pick up where he kind of left off and maybe just give Marseille a bit of a push and help them challenge in France and make it a less one-horse race over there. But no, it's it's uh, this is why we do this programme, so that we get people on who will pick players that perhaps wouldn't come first to mind when you're picking teams. And it's nice, again, to have someone that hasn't been included before and someone new to talk about. No, definitely. Um, I think it's a mark of how impractical a player he was that he won probably the most significant awards in UK football, the Kids' Choice 
favourite UK footballer in 2015. So, you know, he's won a couple of other awards and trophies and stuff, but, you know, obviously that's the most important one, right? Hey, what, <laughs> Lionel, has Lionel Messi ever won that award? You know, I don't have the records in front of me there, Andy, so, uh, you know, I'm not totally sure. But I'm, I don't think I've heard of him winning it, in which case Barcelona might have sold the wrong forward. There you go. Uh, yeah, Scott, uh, I'll let you give your thoughts on, uh, on Alexis Sanchez as well, mate. Oh, I do love a disagreement. Uh, no way does this guy get in the team ahead of Bobby Perez for me. Um, even as a, a non-Arsenal fan, as a neutral f- towards Arsenal, watching them, I, no, I, I genuinely didn't acknowledge until now how impressive his stats were with Arsenal. Um, almost a, a goal every two games. Bobby Perez wasn't far off that. And to probably go back and do my best Graham Souness impression... Put your medals on the table, son. Uh, Bobby Perez won the league twice, won the FA Cup. He's won a World Cup. I know we're just sticking to the Premier League here. Two FA Cups, and like you said, he was the man that was going to build Arsenal back up to the top. And he did, didn't win anything with him. And I know the likes of... I mean, I, I grew up watching a, a top four Arsenal. I grew up watching a dominant Arsenal. I seen an invincible Arsenal, and I think for teams, I don't know whether it's different down in England for the top four sides, but the original top four when you look at Arsenal, Man U, Liverpool, Chelsea, now City, obviously Spurs in there, so we've got a top six. Spurs would probably be happy with any trophy, but mm. does MD really give a toss about the FA Cup other than teams that aren't going to win the league? I mean, you see, you see, obviously, like. You've, you've had your team like Everton. They won it in '95. That's the last trophy they've had, so it's, it's massive for them. Uh, my own English team, Leeds, obviously '72, still up massive and talked about. Newcastle, I think Eddie was was at '68. Uh, off the top of my head, I can understand it, but I just don't. Was it not '69? Either that or it's wishful thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but for me, it's it's just two FA Cup medals despite the stats whether or not he's on whether or not he might have excelled playing in that team that Perez played in but for me Bobby Perez pips him to it every time um, so yeah a surprising a very surprised pick for me I, I probably wouldn't have had I wouldn't have had him near a Premier League 11 but I, even as a neutral when I had to pick an Arsenal 11 I wouldn't have had him in there either we love a bit of controversy you know it, it's, it's oh, quite no, Listen, it's Danny's team. It's, it's, he's every right to put them in there. I'm just, I'm, that's all I'm saying. Saves, saves, us, saves us going around and just saying, oh, we all love every player. I was just like, Alex, <laughs> Alex Sanchez for me was always one of these players like a, a Diego Forlan or a Juan Sebastian Veron. When he came to England, he was meh. He's done well abroad. Don't give me, he is not a Veron. He's, <laughs> he's, Maybe, but in fact, no, he's not. If you're going to say when he came no, to England Ver, as well, in fact, Veron, Veron's probably not a fucking Premier League medal. Because at, at Arsenal, Sanchez was great. He was just crap at Man United. And that's the important part. <laughs> All right, before we come to blows, virtually, um, let's move on. Um, I, I'll be honest, I never thought we were going to end up with our first kind of major... <laughs> disagreement over Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> I can't, I can't, uh, well, he's a player that sparks controversy, you know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe we went for 60-90 blows in the space of a second there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, we love each other very much on the podcast, you know. So. There's there's <laughs> one for you, Eddie, man. <laughs> Once Sebastian Verona has got one more Premier League medal than Alex Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, and that, that that may be so because he played for a big club, played for Man United and Chelsea, not saying Arsenal are a big club. But, like, he didn't, as a player, didn't have the same impact on his team that Alexis Sanchez had on Arsenal. True. All right, all right, kids, all right. Let's let's move on. Let's just, you know, it's Danny's team. He's, he's made his choice. Um, anyway, we've got to see the full team before we can, you know, judge it as a whole, right? So let's move on to uh, your defensive midfielder here, Danny. Um, and Iddy, I think you're up first with a guess. Um, played twice for Milan and 31 times for yeah, Juventus. I, I already know it. I, 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 you get these I clues like last it. week. I had in my head who was going to be going in, and then as soon as I played twice for Milan, I knew. So it's Patrick Vieira. Uh, Danny, I think you can confirm that one, yeah? Yeah, I've got three absolute Judases in my side. He is the the least, um, the, the, the one of the three Judases that I hate the least. Uh, I've got two others coming up, but magnificent player. I remember our old skinny legs from Senegal, and he plays for Arsenal. When, when we signed him, and I think Wenger saw him when he was manager of Monaco, saw him playing for Cannes. And then when he was uh, Nagoya Grandpa's eight, he said, I want two people at the club when I get there. One of them is uh, Remy Gard and another one is Patrick Vieira. So they started working on those. And so they, they turned up at Arsenal really early. And I remember looking at him thinking, well, this, this bloke, he's obviously a failure in Italy. He's, he went there and did absolutely nothing. And then uh, he... Um, we signed him and I'm thinking, bloody hell, he's, he's a bit lanky, isn't he? Much like all of the Arsenal players at the moment, like Eddie Nketiah and Smith Rowe and Saka. And they all see him first playing and we think, you, you skinny little fucks. How can you uh, how can you be so skinny next and expect to be a footballer? And then it doesn't take long. And then they blossom in, in into ginormous human beings that you wouldn't want to meet down a dark alleyway. And then his first season, 38 games, two goals. His second season, 46 games, 43, 47, all the way through every single season. He he nearly played all the time. And for a player to have been at the club for nine seasons and get 406 games, all competitions, and you think, that is amazing. But then, and I could go on about how good he is, but everybody knows how good he is. And then he was a snake. He left in the summer of 2005 for Juventus, but the summer of 2003... 2004, 2005. I want to go to Real Madrid. Oh, Real Madrid. I want to go and play. Shut up and play. You're playing for the Arsenal. Shut up and play the game. And he wouldn't. And he kept going on and on, whining like a little bitch. And then he went to Juventus and won the title with Juventus. And then they went, no, 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 you cheating fucks. Relegation for Juventus. And then uh, he he left Juventus, went to Mayan and Milan. And then when he was there, he didn't really do much. Injuries and his career kind of faded out a little bit. And then with his tail between his legs, he came back to play in the Premier League and uh, wanted to come back to Arsenal. And Arsene Wenger said, no. And so he fucked off to Man City, played a couple of seasons there. Um, probably won a couple of meaningless trinkets while he was there but he is yet another one of the players in my team uh, three of them actually I'll include Sanchez in that that shit all over their their status of Arsenal legendary and then they should and they should have all stayed all of the players that already had Sanchez and now Vieira and they should have stayed at Arsenal and they'd have done a lot better for their careers apart from maybe Cesc because he did win a lot um oh giving that away um <laughs> Oops, uh, one stuff with other clubs, but it, it, it's 
some of these players are like the the gorgeous girlfriend that left you and you look back at it and going you should have been the one you bastard or bitch whichever way around you want to look at it and i'm still to this day furious with some of my players that left the club shit on us and come back oh yeah i'm on sky sports by the way oh i'm an arsenal fan i love the arsenal fuck off if you're an arsenal fan you would stay at that club until the day you die you would not you'd do a tony adams You'd do a, a, a Lee Dixon, an Alan Smith. You'd be like Ian Wright and cry when you had to leave. And Rowcastle cried when he had to leave. Anders Limpar cried when he had to leave. Legends don't leave the club. They don't choose to leave the club. And he chose. And for that, I will never forgive him. But uh, I wouldn't mind if it was Arsenal manager and Arteta goes to Man City, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Danny, I was going to say, are you sure you want to include him? Because, you know... <laughs> I was just about to ask when you kid me. I was gonna say, I'm not sure if we're naming we're all-time 11 or people we hate. It sounds, like you, it sounds like you were going to start crying if you gave him a fucking new contract. Yeah. No, as a player. As a player, I have no problems with him. It was his personal decisions and choices to shit on us and, and fuck off to Juventus. He didn't give a shit. He just wanted to go and he should have stayed. And it, it, it did nothing special with his career after he left. Why don't you just... I mean, he may have won the Champions League of Inter Milan, but I don't, I don't count that as a proper trophy because we've never won it. <laughs> and four <laughs> Serie A titles in a row of Inter Milan. I don't count them as proper trophies. Because <laughs> uh, we've never yeah, won what, it. <laughs> what, what have Italian teams ever done worldwide anyway, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, anyone can win Serie A many times. I, I support Inter Milan. So, yeah, I took no joy at seeing him lift trophies. I mean, I was going to say, so let's let's focus on Vieira, the player, and probably specifically his time in the Premier League, right? Yeah. Um, I think he did crying. okay. <laughs> a, uh, he captained Arsenal through an invincible season. So, you know, not everyone, I think, can uh, can put claim to that. So that's pretty decent. And, yeah, uh, he's, he's obviously come up before as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll leave this one to uh, to Iddy to, uh, to talk about Vieira for a bit. <laughs> I'm a very bitter person. You might be able to tell. <laughs> to, to be honest, I'm not going to go over Vieira too much because I think he's come up in about four or five teams now. Um, fantastic player. For me, He's he kind of symbolises that transition from Arsenal, the team in England that you know of, do okay, they're not bad, to Arsenal that went on to become the Invincibles and a top four team. Um, he's one of those players that when... Wenger came in and started bringing in some of these kind of more fancier names. He he was kind of one of those guys that at the forefront of that, the pitcher head for that for me. Um, great at breaking up an attack, great at finding a good pass, also had a bit of skill and had a decent shot when he fancied it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I always like Vieira. If I'm looking for a defensive midfielder, he's definitely in my fish out if I'm naming a team, so I'm happy with that pick. Lovely stuff. Right. Let's uh, let's move swiftly on then uh, from Patrick um, and uh, we'll come to Scott to guess uh, your centre midfielder here, Danny. Uh, played for Barcelona and Monaco and made 110 appearances for his national team, scoring 15 goals. Any ideas there, Scott? You say Monaco and Barca? <clears throat> I do. Was he French, quick, named after a porno flick? I don't know, Danny. Can you confirm or deny? Not. Yes, because he gave it away two minutes ago, Scott. It's Cesc Fabregas. 
Uh, Danny, could you confirm if that's correct? Another shit who shit all over my club. And of, the, of uh, <laughs> I hate him more than... I don't hate Vieira. If I saw Vieira, I'd give him a big hug. I bet he smells lovely. And I, I'd probably forgive Vieira. Probably because I know that uh, he could kill me with one hand. But Sesk, slimy little snake. Shit on the club because he's got Barca DNA. We can get your DNA and you can stick it up your arse, son. You were fantastic at Arsenal. That the beginning of the uh, the 2009-10 season, he he was scoring almost a goal every other game. And I understand why he left because I'm not a fan of Arsene Wenger either. The first decade of Wenger loved him. Second decade of Wenger, he should have been fired after the Champions League final with his inept management. Uh, but Sesk, yeah, kind of understandable because it was he's. Comes from, we stole him. Actually, we got him from Barcelona for the money they owed us for Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. I think we agreed about uh, 3.5 million or something like that. We uh, he, they owed us, and they said, "Well, you can have Sesk instead because you're going to steal him anyway." And so that's how that's how Sesk got to Arsenal. So he went back there, and he was magnificent for Barcelona, and he was magnificent for Arsenal. And uh, I just think about what this Arsenal team could have gone on and done if the likes of Petit and Petit would have been my third choice in this century. If I'd have had a midfield three, Petit would have been in there. Uh, um, and actually, yeah, him and Gilberto would have been there. But to see that the players that I love and that they they could have stayed at Arsenal and Arsenal would have gone on and and done so much more. They'd have won more league titles. They'd have done maybe even a Champions League or or something like that. And for these players to just go and abandon the, the club and Wenger had put his arm around them and they treated them like his own family and then they all went and shat on him for clubs that... He went to Barcelona and Barcelona didn't give a fuck about him. They tried to get him out of the door as soon as possible. I mean, he had 151 games, 42 goals for Barcelona. You think, what, from a, from a midfielder who's played over 100 games for Spain and they get rid of him and he goes to Chelsea and I think, well, there you go. There's, there's a dagger in the bloody heart if ever I've seen one. I didn't really give a shit when Manu, Manu Petit went to Chelsea because Chelsea weren't very good back then. But then he went to Chelsea and what did he win? Two or three Premier League titles or something? I don't know about looking. Uh, two two Premier League titles. He won the, um, the Europa League. He won a League Cup, a, an FA Cup. Don't care. You're dead to me. But that bloke was so skillful and I didn't realise he was he was he played seven full seasons at Arsenal. So I suppose maybe I shouldn't be as bitter. But his penultimate season as a midfielder, 19 goals in 36 games, all competitions, just absolutely a dream to watch. Well, I'm enjoying uh, Danny going through his enemies list here. So that's been, <laughs> it's been fun so far. <laughs> you wait. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, um, I think Scott. Then uh, let's let's have your thoughts on uh, on Cesc Fabregas first, mate. I think I'm I think I'm just I genuinely thought seeing as seeing as it looks as if we're going through a, a, a complete Arsenal eleven, I just generally kind of see past the the glory years. I mean, like you said, seven full seasons at Arsenal. He's got a couple of runners up medals, a Community Shield, and an FA Cup to his name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. Again, Ouch. A bit pity. <laughs> I know, like, listen, you see him week in, week out. Personally, I think the best of his career, and I'm not saying I wouldn't have him in a Premier League 11, but I think the best of his career was at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, and I know what you mean. I'm a bit bitter about the, because obviously, you know, you know Arteta fine and well. Uh, it was an absolute revelation for, for Rangers when he was a player and got homesick and wanted to go back and oh this and that and he, he was angling to be back in Spain and it didn't work and then he goes to Everton um, 
Whereas, like I said, he went to Barca, played there for a couple of years, but he came back to Chelsea, and that, for me, that was the prime of his career. Um, not saying that he, he wasn't a better player at Arsenal, but he was in a he was in a good, he was in a very good Arsenal. So they, they, those years, 2003-2011, Arsenal had some really good sides. So to think that he spent that time there and only came out with an FA Cup. So again, for me, I think, like I said, I'm probably just stuck in the the 90s. But he's a he's a great player, a great pick for a, an EPL 11. But as this has been solely Arsenal, I'm disappointed it's not Emmanuel. I think it all depends also on what era of the Premier League you would do it. If you had if you had a midfield of Vieira and, and Manu Petit now, they'd be sent off every week. At the moment, the Premier League is more skillful players, and you can't have two hulking big defensive midfielders in there. And I love, I love Manu. He's a wonderful human being. He's, he's a good-looking bastard with that long blonde hair, and the women love him. But it wouldn't work in Premier League football. But then again, Sesk in the early in in when we in '98. I mean, my favourite Arsenal season was 97-98. Went to nearly all the home games, went to the cup final. And so I'm not all about the modern Arsenal or the modern era of the Premier League. I preferred the olden days when you could get away with empathy and Vieira in there. But for playing modern modern Premier League football, I think you couldn't have two defensive midfielders playing there together. You'd need a little bit more creative creativity and goals from midfield. Just when you said they were getting sent off every week, I was like, are you aware you picked Tony Adams and Martin Keown as your yeah. two centre-backs in a modern... That's why I need three centre-backs, because <laughs> one of those two is going to get sent off every week. Um, All righty. Uh, let's uh, let's have your thoughts. Right. I'm going to disagree with Scott on a couple of points here. I'm going to totally agree with you on the Arteta being a bit of a scumbag with his whole, oh, I'm homesick, I need to go home, I need to go home. Went home for two minutes, grabbed himself a <laughs> cup of coffee, and then was like, right, I'm off to Liverpool. Yes, because that's so much similar to Spain compared to Glasgow. But he wasn't, weather, rev- he wasn't a revelation for Rangers. He was a good player, but let's not over-egg our memory of Arte. He was, he was, a, he was a breath, all right, okay, maybe not a revelation. He was, he was, a, bre- he was a breath of fresh air into that squad. Compared to yeah, compared to what we had in the squad at the time, he was he was something different, something nice and shiny. But he wasn't even the best of the two midfielders we had at the time. So let's just let's not rewrite history on Arteta. Um, but at the same time, while this is a, a a team consisting of purely players that played for Arsenal, that doesn't discredit what they've done overall in the Premier League. So I think Cesc has a right to be in there because he, he was a great player in the Premier League. Yes, as you say, his best time may have come at Chelsea, but he did play for Arsenal and he was a fantastic Premier League player. Um, I like watching him play again, probably more for Chelsea. Um, I, I think he's he was great with set pieces, great with through balls, but terrible at tackling from my memory. I can't remember him ever making any particular great tackles. Um, and Again, I'll probably agree with you here, Scott. I I probably wouldn't include him in my team, but this isn't my team. And and to provide a bit of balance, um, like I say, he he did play for Arsenal and he was a great Premier League player. So I can't see an argument to not have him in the team. You didn't listen listen to me. I I said I would have him him in an EPL team, but I wouldn't have him in Arsenal team. (laughs) You were were arguing about not being in this team, but this team is Arsenal-focused but it's still an EPL team. 
so so you kind of you did a crisp bet there you sat on a fence you sat on the fence and covered both bases and i actually do think given that the remit he, he does warrant inclusion in this team but again i'm with you i probably would have had petit over him oh let, let's let's keep it clear this is danny's team he's picked it um when we get through and we've got all the players we're gonna let him you know justify this whole team but i think you you two have put gilberto silver ahead of petit who I think is a much better player. I quite like Gilberto Silva, but I don't know. I think I think it's going back I, to that, I, that, that 98, I 99 Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just remember. I, I think I'm, me and Scott are probably the same in this, in that Petit just has that bit of uh, nostalgia for us and <laughs> not, not being Arsenal fans, but being aware of that revelation when Arsenal kind of turned things around and became True. that top four team. Petit, like I said with Vieira, is one of the faces of that team. So for us, that's probably why we would include him ahead of a number of other people. Alrighty, uh, let's move on to your right midfield choice here, Danny. Uh, this player, and I think, Eddie, you're up next with a guess. Um, you're currently beating Scott 5-2 as well. So. Um, and this is know. going to be a fucking tap-in. <laughs> Don't speak uh, too soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how we get on, right? Uh, this player played for Marseille, Aston Villa, and FC Goa. Robert Pires. <laughs> Danny, uh, can you confirm if that's correct? I was hoping to... Uh, I, mean, I, I, I didn't put this in after just to make Scott happy, because Scott had a very, very good point with the uh, with the Sanchez thing. But yeah, you are correct. It is it is uh, the legend that is Bobby Perez. And I love this man so much that all of my football Corinthian figures, I did the little cheeky um, chin hair thing, whatever that's called. I drew that in permanent marker on all my Bobby Perez's because uh, he's a wonderful, lovely human being. And he's, he, like, he loves the Arsenal, but he didn't shit on us. He didn't want to leave the, the Arsenal, but they forced him to. I'm not fucking playing anymore. <laughs> you, you do know that he's right-footed, don't you? And for France, he quite often played on the right. When he played for Arsenal, he was on the left-hand side because we had Lundberg on the right. But he would always cut in on his right foot, much like Bakayo Saka plays on the right and he's left-footed. He always cuts in on his left. So playing Bobby on the right, you go and have a look at transfer mark or any of that lot. He's a right-footed player, but he could play on either flank, which is what made him so good. But I had to have Sanchez in the team. And I dropped Lundberg to put Bobby there because Bobby is by far one of the, the, the best players um, for our time there. I mean, you look at the, I mean, looking back at these seasons that he played for us in the uh, in the Invincible season, 19 goals from the left side of midfield. He probably could have done that anywhere on the field. Next season, 17, and then even after all of that lot, 87 goals in 287 games. And then Wenger goes, I will give you one year. And you think, you, you asshole Wenger, how the fuck could you look at this player and Gilberto Silva and go, I'll give you one year? No, that was the start of the downfall of our club. And I am very bitter with the second decade of Arsene Wenger. The first decade of Wenger, I love him. The second decade, you killed our club with your stupid decisions. And this is right up there with one of the top four or five decisions he made that had that started the decade of doom under Wenger because Perez... Like you were saying, Scott, he's, he's a magician. I absolutely loved Bobby Perez. Um, like you said, an absolute magician. Yeah, I agree with you. He could have played, 
played in both flanks. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to say other players now because every time I do it, it comes back to bite me in the arse. So at the end, when we come back round to it after the rest of the players are out, I'll say why the why I was playing because the clue that I, the clues with the Marseille left me to that. I agree with you. I would have probably played Bobby on the right because there's somebody else that I would have had in the left, and it wouldn't have been Sanchez. But I'm not saying that just in case this bugger shows up at ten or something like that. So I'm I'm saying he haw. Absolutely he haw. But yes, there's going to be words. Absolutely wonderful player and. Yeah, the, like you said, only a year. I mean, he could have played for Arsenal for an easy three seasons. Um, dominated with Villarreal for four more seasons. Mm, just another player that, that it, it, not not so much now. We know we know Arsenal have picked up things in the wing now, and guys like Saka and that are good, talented players. But at the time, it, he went out, and it wasn't really a. There wasn't really somebody there to take his place, or at least to his level. No, I think that's right, Scott. Um, Eddie, let's get your views on Bobby Perez then. Bobby Perez is probably the least Arsenal-like player that ever played for Arsenal. Because when I think of Arsenal, I always think of those tough tackling, hard to break down, and um, strong teams. Words you're looking for is bastards, but you can't say yes, it. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and... Bobby Perez came in and he's not the type of guy who is going to do a lot of work without possession. He's not going to do a lot of defending. He doesn't defend from the front, but give him the ball and he was unbelievable. The guy was had unbelievable skill. His passing was phenomenally a great vision and his finishing for a, a winger was just outrageous. Um, I think he, he was probably the... the what Arsenal needed when they brought him in because like I say they had that kind of backbone that's steely kind of toughness to them and then they just needed that luxury player who could have a bit of a free role yes he was a winger but he could do what he want and he, he could go out there and, and just play football and have fun uh, so yeah I'm I was disappointed when he wasn't um, on the left wing, so I'm glad that you've managed to bring him in on the right wing. <laughs> I, do you know what it is? It never even crossed my mind that he would end up being on the right wing because he was right-footed um, because he played left wing so much. So, But then as soon as I heard the clubs, I was like, yep, yeah, okay, I know who it is now, so that's fine. And I, I am glad in. he's been included. Yep. No, good stuff. Um named the sixth greatest player in uh, Arsenal's history. There's a couple of other names on that list that'll come up as well, I think. Um, so let's move on to your attacking midfielder here, Danny. Uh, played uh, for Inter Milan and Ajax and one other club and made 79 appearances for his national team, scoring 37 goals. Uh, Scott, it's your guess, mate. Does he have a podcast with Wonderland? Relevant? <laughs> I was going to say... Abs- absolutely no doubt it's the non-flying Dutchman. I was going to say, like, if you thought the last one was a bit of a tap-in, then I think this one was probably a bit of a no-brainer, you know? But Danny, uh, yes, tell us why Dennis Burkamp made your team. Is it a player with some kind of relevance to you, or...? I'd only heard of him recently. He's, I, th- I think he was Spanish. <laughs> I remember the day, again, there's, there's two players I remember the day that we signed them in my head. One was Sol Campbell, the other one was Dennis Bergkamp. And we signed him and I thought, 
that must be some kind of mistake. Arsenal don't. Bruce Rioch, who's going to come to play for Bruce Rioch, the man who bored us all to death managing Bolton? A horrible um, manager, managerial choice for Arsenal. Great for Bolton because he didn't really expect much. And I thought, why is, is he broken? I know when we signed Carnu, Carnu had heart problems. And we know when we signed Overmars, Overmars didn't have any, his knees were na- apparently knackered. And I thought, oh, we've done it again. We've bought another player that's knackered, and we've had so many of a, of um of our club at the moment, and and our players and our fans are, are going to be on the back of the club for for the managerial appointment. Trying to re- replace George Graham is almost impossible. And then we got him, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. And then the first three or four games of the season, he really struggled. And then I think it was possibly against Southampton. He may, might have scored a hat-trick. I'm not sure because it's such a long time ago. And then you just sit there. And this is the first player that I... One of the first players that I remember looking at and spending more of the time watching him and his runs and his skills and the way he played the game than than any other player that I can remember. Because I say to people when I do the podcast, I say, it's really hard to judge a player by the by what the tv cameras show you because they only concentrate on play you don't see the runs you don't see the the other stuff that they're getting up to this would be the kind of player that if sky sports asked he's still playing for arsenal sky sports should have a camera a dedicated camera just watching him for the entire game and to say to kids just just go and watch him the entire game players like him and, and Gianfranco zola and uh well uh, michael laudrup another one for, for you for your lot just to make you happy and uh, maybe Gav- brian not michael Oh, was it Mike? Was it Brian? Which one did yeah. I say? You said Michael. Oh, Michael was the better one. Uh, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, that, that's the most controversial thing you've said so far. <laughs> I don't think I can't remember which one was which. Michael that was, that was, was also fun, God's wrath. Uh, at least I didn't um, say they're Norwegian. I know they're Danish. So I, I really can't, I don't know which one was which, but I know they were both brilliant. And... And then you just watch Bergkamp and you see the stuff that he does. And that's when you start to get an understanding of how much more to the game of football there is than just tackles, passing and scoring goals. The stuff that he'd do, the people that he would drag off of, of the strikers so that so that Ian Wright could go and score 30 goals a season or whoever was, like Anelka was playing with him and stuff like that. And you just imagine if you were a footballer, a young man, and you come through as a young man playing football, I spoke to quite a few Arsenal players have come on the podcast and they've said it was just unbelievable the stuff that he would do in training, much like with Thierry Henry, and just so dedicated to what they did. And that's why they were the best at what they did. And for him to have to have shown after two or three seasons that, hold on, we've got the real deal here. We have got someone who is genuinely world-class, one of the greatest of his of any player to play for Arsenal, and for Holland, and to play in the Premier League, and he's at Arsenal, and he was doing this season after season. Even when he started to slow down, he's still getting 30, 40 games a season, and he stayed at Arsenal. No, I don't know how many clubs came in for him. I, I've got his book, Stillness and Speed. I've not read it. I should listen to it. But for him to stay at the club, and then I compare him to the scumbags who left the club for a few shiny pesetas. And it just makes me so angry that you look at people like him and you look at Ian Wright and Tony Adams and David Seaman and and all these other magnificent world-class players, whether it is only for a season or two, whether it's for most of their career like him. And then I think, what what could have been if those arseholes would have stayed at the club like he did and carried on the good work that Wenger had built in that first decade and that Wenger was let down by all those arseholes, but Bergkamp stood by him 
and that should have been uh, a model of what to do as a pro. I mean, you look at it nowadays, a player's gone. I mean, look at Bum Young leaving Barcelona, right? He's been there half an hour. I mean, he's probably got a return ticket and all these other players that you just know they're just in it for the money. They're in it with the agents and the agents are telling them, come on, move, I'll get you a, a five million signing on fee. I mean, look at the Neymar deal and the Mbappe deals. You're thinking, oh, I hate modern football. And this is the looking at Bergkamp makes me hate modern football even more because look what he did. Look at the man, the character, who he was. He he is everything that uh, that modern footballers should look to try and emulate, and none of them will. Uh, yeah, he's uh, obviously come up before. Obviously well known to you, Danny. Uh, but yeah, Scott, uh, let's chat a little bit about Dennis Bergkamp. I love Dennis Bergkamp, and. In my Premier League 11, perhaps even in my World 11, Dennis Bergkamp's there. I love him. One of these players, quite interestingly, just what you said there, Danny, when you said he's a player like a Gianfranco Zola, I was sitting thinking when you were on the playground playing, and bear in mind, I'm just a boy growing up in Glasgow, but when you're watching the Premier League, the English League, when it was exciting, and I'm not saying it's not exciting now, but it was different type kind of excitement for you back then when Sky was just coming about and getting to watch these games. Bergkamp, Zola, David Ginola, just these were the guys that it didn't matter what team you you preferred or whatever, Cantona, these were the guys that you wanted to watch and you wanted to be in the playground. And for me, Dennis Bergkamp was the epitome of that player. Ridiculously skillful, but absolute ice in his veins, just the coolest head. Um, and he got it at Arsenal. He, he fell in love with the club and he wanted to stay, like you said, uh, I remember was it when they said that that uh, Champions League final when they said that if, was that he said that if they won it he would fly over. <laughs> uh, so I mean that's that's how much he loved the club. Obviously never flew in his flew in his puff, but one of my favourite all time players. And I think even to this day, that's thirty years of the Premier League now, there hasn't been a goal scored that has topped that goal against Newcastle. And I'll. I'll hold that, and I'm sorry, Eddie, you know it was against your club, but that goal itself, as a neutral watching that, that was just world class. And he meant it. Of course he did. No, good stuff. Um, like I said, he's gone before, but yeah, what a player. And uh, yeah, I think a fine inclusion here, Danny. Um, we're going to move on to your forward line now, and... Um, Based on the team so far, um, I think the lads might have an idea about who the two playing up front are. So I'm going to make the close just a wee bit more difficult here. So what I will say is that your left forwards has uh, played for Arsenal and made 254 league appearances. And that's all the clues you're going to get, Eddie. That's a bit harsh, is it not? Well, you're currently beating Scott six three as well, so I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a fifty. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with Thierry Henry for the left forward. Fifty <laughs> uh, fifty that Eddie gets, bastard. <laughs> well, Scott, I think you've got a free hit on the next one. You hope, right? But yeah, Danny, I think you can probably confirm that that was correct. The Arsenal player I hate the most. I would throttle him if I could see him. My mate Mike, who I, he's really? an American gooner. And he, um, we do 
we do a special podcast abw called the sunday roast where just like a sunday dinner we just sit around and talk about stuff and he had a picture of him and thierry henry and i said if i ever was in the vicinity of thierry henry i I would struggle to hold my tongue for my hatred for that man he is like the most perfect wonderful magnificent girlfriend or boyfriend whichever way you want to look at it if, if there's any ladies listening and then you found out they've cheated on you and they broke your heart and you will never ever get over it i will never get over the fact that he shit on arsenal he shit on the fans he shit on wenger to go for those fucks at barcelona i hope barcelona burn down and they that the club is disbanded i hope they go bankrupt i hate barcelona more than any other spurt team that isn't man united or, or, or spurs they that every time they come and waved at the dirty money in his face oh i'll go oh i'll go petit uh over miles um who else was there there was um uh Henri and then uh oh the uh anyway the one who cried at birmingham and went oh, i wish i hadn't have gone to barcelona he went there and they used him like a dirty tramp at a nightclub they used him for two and a half seasons and i went go on son fuck off we're done with you now and he t- i don't care if he won the european cup and won 100 la ligas in a row you you had you could have been people say he is the greatest and i can't deny that on the pitch he is the greatest ever arsenal player for what he did and there no premier he's the greatest premier league player of all time with what he the stuff that he did and then for him to come back and sit there at Sky Sports and go, oh, yeah, I've always been an Arsenal fan. No, no, you fucking haven't. Because if you had been an Arsenal, no one, I've, none of my podcasts agree with me here. Everyone I say this to, they just tell me to shut up. But I'm bitter. You can tell I'm bitter by the, the players I've picked in my Premier League 11. <laughs> um, but I, it's just, oh, it just makes me so angry that he was Arsenal. He was Arsene Wenger FC. He was the die. He was the diamond in the the Arsene Wenger crown, and he shit on us and he left for those bastards. And I will never ever get over the fact that he did that. And then when he came back and he had the beard and he scored against Leeds and it was quite nice. That rubbed it in even more. And when I see him on the telly saying he's an Arsenal fan, a little piece of me dies on the inside. So I can't even. I don't even watch him when he's on the telly. That's how much he's hurt me. I need therapy over it. That's all I'm going to say. No, I mean, Danny, that's that's barely coming through at all, mate. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> at least we're going to end this on a high, though. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I, I brought up briefly the uh, greatest 50 uh, Arsenal players list. Uh, Thierry Henry's number one on that list, I think rightly so. He's obviously come up before, but uh, Iddy, yeah, try and find something new about uh, Thierry Henry to say that we haven't already, mate. The only new thing I can think of for Thierry Henry is we found an Arsenal fan who hates him. Uh, but um, honestly, I'm taken aback by how much you you do actually hate this guy and your team. The title of the show is Whose Team Is It Anyway? And I'm tempted to name this episode, not Danny's. I, I've been to see Arsenal nearly 400 times. I've been to seven Arsenal finals. I love Arsenal. I love the players. Him as a player, magnificent. You couldn't. There's no one better. But it's just all the other stuff. See, I can, to- I can totally get it. See, when somebody, like, we know it all too well. Do you think anybody in this this pod that likes Stephen A. Smith now? 
I wouldn't ever name him in one of my Rangers 11s. So. <laughs> no, that's that's a fair point, I suppose. I mean, Kenny Miller's still a topical subject, but... I wouldn't include him either. Him. He's the best stats in Mo Johnson, you know what I mean? <laughs> but Mo Johnson went from them to us. He saw the light, and I'm happy with that. Oh, but he filled in a hole, and then he anyway. Let's not let's not get into football. the let's not get into the Rangers players. Uh, Terry Henry, for me, any all-time Premier League eleven has to include Terry Henry. And Danny's right; he probably is the best player that's ever played in the Premier League, um, as far as I'm concerned. I loved watching him play. I think everybody loved watching him play, and Danny's hatred of him really shone through there. So that was that was an interesting take on Thierry Henry. Thank you. I mean every word of it. I mean, I've done 10 years of moaning about him once he left. Well, that's good stuff. Uh, I'm I, also admire, I also admire your hatred of Barca because I can't fucking stand them. Oh, I <laughs> see that club burn. Uh, no, perfectly well on football club. You know, who hasn't among us been £1 billion in debt, right? You know, <laughs> stuff happens all the time. Uh, at least according to you know the latest Celtic blog reports on Rangers, I'm pretty sure that's where we're up to now. So you know, it's always yeah, very common. Um, we're going to move on to your right forward now, uh, Danny. This is going to be Scott's guess. We'll give a similar kind of clue. Uh, 221 appearances for Arsenal. I'm not going to lie, we called it in the chat. Uh, we we've got the sidebar chat going to make sure that people show up in time between us. Um, <laughs> so I called it. I just went. I went. The two forwards have to be on Ian Wright. It just depends what order they come up. So I'm saying, Mister Chicken tonight, Ian Wright. Danny, can you confirm if that's right? It is is the 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 most wonderful, the most special, the most loving, the most. He supports Arsenal more than most Arsenal fans support Arsenal, and I love him for it. It's it's Ian Wright, the Celtic legend. Yeah, I was um, I was maybe going to try and avoid bringing that one up, uh, given that we're we're all from a Rangers kind of focused background here. But yeah, eight appearances for Celtics. But for a player who was 22 years, I mean, I was if people ask me what Arsenal books you should read, I say Perry Groves and Ian Wright, and just how humble Ian Wright was at the beginning, that he was 22 years old before Crystal Palace picked him up, and then he worked his ass off, and then that FA Cup semi final and uh, broke his leg in the um, playing for Crystal Palace. And that season, he got to the FA Cup final, even though I think he might have broke his leg twice that season. And he managed to come on as a sub and then score. I think he might have scored the equalising goal or something like that. And then they lost the, the replay to Man United. But for him to do that and then be just, uh, you just look at him. He is, everything about him is what is beautiful about our, our wonderful game. And he's such a great bloke. And the goals that he scored and the cheekiness. And if I was ever to be a kind of footballer, that would be the kind of footballer I would want to be, the personality. Uh, and most people can't stand Gary Lineker. Even Leicester and Everton fans don't like him. But Ian Wright, I reckon there's even some Spurs fans that begrudgingly go, oh, you know, he is quite nice. Most people really like him. And for, for what he did and the way that we got him, and then in the book it says, I think it was in the book or an interview, he said... Um, Arsenal were his boyhood club. He was mates with, with Rocky Road Castle. And then he came in, talked to David Dean and George Graham about signing. And then he, he signed the contract. And, not, and then he got up and walk, went to walk out. He went, oh, by the way, how much am I on? 
that's the gist of what that story is and that that encapsulates everything about Ian Wright he wanted to play for Arsenal he didn't care about how much money he was on if they had gone you're on a thousand five hundred pound a week or whatever it was back then he would have gone fair enough and carried on going and just the, the goals the, the 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 personality the skill everything that, that you would want from a player to represent you and represent your club and he's to this day he's still doing it and he never and this is a one of the bugbears i've got with arsene wenger this is his first major muck up i worked out i went back and looked at the 1988 98-99 season after we did the double and he'd sold ian wright because we had an elka and an elka was still a young man score not scoring as regularly Bergkamp was coming um, to the end of him scoring regularly uh, still playing games but he wasn't going to get you 25 goals a season and I worked out that all we would have had to have done was have Ian Wright on the bench for that next season we'd have won the title if he had come on three or four times and scored goals as a sub I think it was six goals maybe in the entire Premier League season for turning draws into wins or losses into draws nothing magnificent just scoring one goal when it was a 2-2 we'd have won the title that season but instead he had uh he, he, got, he got rid of him and then what did Anelka do Anelka's a tart anyway shit on us Real Madrid I don't I don't care about him I don't care about um, uh, um, Real Madrid but it, Ian didn't want to go I think he said that he cried when uh, they said they'd accepted an offer from West Ham and then his career fell apart he had a couple of loan spells and he went to here and there and did other things but to think that he won the double with us as one of our best players even though the injury ravaged season first half of the season magnificent and then he got injured then an elk took over for the second half of the season and only then two seasons later he retires from football you think i honestly think that wenger letting him go broke him as as broke his heart as a footballer because everything about ian wright was his heart and it just never stopped going and and just watch the uh, the the Ian and Wright. If you can go find that and a VHS of Ian Wright's goals, just go and watch that. The celebrations, how much everybody loved him, and he must have been an absolute nightmare to play against. He's so cheeky, but you've got two completely opposite ends of my love of Arsenal players. Two players that are easily in the top ten Arsenal players of all time. Henri at one end and, and Ian Wright at the other end, uh, uh, the complete opposite spectrum of how I feel about players that were both magnificent players. But Ian Wright. Oh, I'd love to meet Ian Wright. I said I wouldn't want to meet Adams or any of that lot, but I bet Ian Wright, I bet he smells lovely and he's a giggler. What a lovely man. <laughs> yeah, Scott, let's uh, let's have your take on Ian Wright first, mate. I, I was just enjoying listening to that there, Danny. Um, hmm. Listen, I'll, I'll try and stick to Ian Wright in his own right. Um, but the way you speak about him, I think Eddie and Andrew will agree that is the way the Rangers fans speak about Ali McCoist. Um you bastard! You've stolen my point. <laughs> <laughs> he's the cheeky chappy. He's got pa- he's got patter. He's got he's got character, and that is so few and far between in the game these yeah. days. He had character. Um, like you said, had a horrific season with the the injury uh, in his last year with Palace, and then came on in that final. And according to Alec Ferguson and Archie Knox, ended Jim Layton's career at Man United. <laughs> Yeah, they dropped uh, him for the final, didn't they? They, 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 they brought they in um, him, yeah. Les, Les Seeley, was it? Seeley, yeah. It was. yeah. They brought him in and they, I think they scraped it 1-0 on the replay. Um, and that was that was Leighton's career finish. So I like him for that as well. <laughs> but uh, no, a terrific player. Like I said, I, I enjoy watching his analysis. I, I, he's one of the pundits that I can get behind. Um, and I think, like you said, 
even the Spurs fans, even the guys that didn't like him when he was a player, they can you can sit and you can enjoy him. I mean, I think Gary Lineker's a fucking helmet, and I hope he listens to this and hears that he's a fucking helmet. Can't uh, stand him. And it's nothing to do with him being black. Um, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, in seriousness, no. I absolutely love Ian Wright, and he, he, he falls under the category of McCoy Shearer for me. Doesn't matter what club you played for, you've got a bit of power. You're you're just you're there, and. Uh, he just he was he was Mr Arsenal. He was he always just popped up with that and I, I quite agree with you. Those tight seasons, maybe when he was coming to the end of his career. I noticed you didn't uh, go maybe as much of a rant on Anelka, but to be fair, Anelka didn't shit on Arsenal. He shot in every club he ever played for. He just chased money, but he, he shot his own nappy and put it on his head. Got no time for for Anelka. <laughs> nah. Ruined his career by being greedy and listening to his brother. Yeah, played for every club under the sun. Uh, I'm surprised in fact he didn't have a spell at Rangers because we, we bought quite a lot of players like that but uh, no, Ian Wright just can't not be up there um, what was it, his stats he had um, not, the, not the greatest stats for England maybe a 1-3 return um, but again you look, when, you look at the, when you look at the starts start, start of his England career he was through that sort of injury ravaged sort of time when he just came into the Arsenal squad but um, no Ian Wright, I'm very happy for him to be in there, and it's another refreshing pick, so, yep, no disagreements for me here. Thanks. Uh, and, Eddie, uh, I'll let you give your thoughts on Ian Wright as well, mate. Do you know what it is? Scott nicked most of it, man. I was just going to do the old McCoy comparison. He was a, a goal scorer who... He could finish from anywhere, really, realistically, when, you, when you're talking about it, um, but also had that kind of humour and smile on his face that made you realise that actually, yes, it was it's a profession and it's something they take serious. And like I said with Keown, you know, they play with their heart and their sleeve, but actually for some people as well, it's just an absolute joy just to play the game. And he's that type of player who just went out there and just loved having a football at his feet and being able to play the game. And the fact that he was getting paid for it, I think Danny pointed out, he didn't even ask how much he was getting paid when he went to Arsenal because he was just delighted to be there and delighted to be playing the sport for a team that he, he loved um it was you know one of those guys who again you, you look at it and you see he was playing and you think right he's got to be a great choice for a first goal because you knew more often than not Ian Wright was going to score we talked about the 1-0 to Arsenal song and more often than not that 1-0 was because of Ian Wright and uh when Bergkamp went to Arsenal as well, that partnership that the two of them formed was just brilliant. It, it just seemed to work. You know, Wright was great. He had great movement. He, he made amazing runs and he just needed that player who had the vision to make the pass because he knew, and Bergkamp was that player, he, he just knew that Ian Wright would be where he should be and would play the ball into a place where only him and Ian Wright knew that Ian Wright was going to be. And they were just the perfect partnership. So I think in this team, they would work really well. And I think and as much as Danny hates Thierry Henry, I think uh, right, Henry and Bergkamp would form a, a brilliant little triplet up front. Yeah, so let's um, let's have a look at the team as a whole then, I think. Um, because I think once we've got all the players kind of lined up there, Danny, it looks pretty attacking focused. Um but yeah, give, give us your just general thoughts about your team and uh, then I'll let uh, Scott and Eddie have a look at it as a whole as well, mate. I mean, defensively, it's going to be uh, tr- troublesome because uh, 
uh, Vieira will maybe a drop back and help out in the defence a little bit, but there's very little width there because like, I think like, like um, I think it was Scott says that you're not really going to have much of, um, of of Bobby Perez tracking back, and you're not going to get us that. Alexis Sanchez has never knowingly been in his own half uh, unless at kickoff. So yeah, this team would be a bit of a nightmare because you've got uh, those two running right down the wings. I mean, it'd be much like, remember when the days when Ili Dumitrescu was uh, at Spurs under under Ozzy Ardiles, and I think they had five strikers playing, or five forward players, and score a lot of goals, but you're also going to concede a lot of goals, and David Seaman is going to be, be get pelters, because he's going to end up injured, he's going to end up like your hand, he's going to have two broken hands for being in goal, because of all the stuff he's going to do, because uh, Adams and Keown not exactly sprightly, um, quick on their feet Sol Campbell was a quick player but there's very little coverage at the back there so this is almost like a um, uh, a great team for playing a friendly not for sustaining a championship challenge I don't think so Arsenal <laughs> yes <laughs> sorry that was a tap in there I couldn't no, that. I'm sorry oh, it was true not anymore though top of the league <laughs> Hey now, we really try not to timestamp these ones, you know, everything could definitely have changed by then. I mean, there's one game to go in the season and we've not lost a game yet, so (laughs) what could go wrong? We're we're away at Fulham for the last game of the season, excellent. And especially after England just winning the World Cup, amazing. (laughs) Unfortunately, you're not even going to win your group. I don't support England. Uh, oh, I, don't I, know. I'm not, I'm, I don't care about them at all. Once Harry Kane gets out of that side, maybe I'll start giving a damn. But at the moment, not interested. I don't even watch them. <laughs> no, still, still the mighty leads to challenge this year. Um, for me, I've very much enjoyed Danny's team. It's been a lovely throwback to 90s football for me. Uh, big, The big moustache and ponytail at the back. Then a couple of hard centre halves in there. For me, two changes in the squad. I'm okay with Bobby Perez being on the right, but I just kept his name out of it just in case he fucking showed up somewhere else. <laughs> but for me, Alexis Sanchez out and Chess Fabregas out. Fabregas, as I've said, Emmanuel Petit takes his place. I know you said about his knees, but for me, Marco Vermaer's on the left. It was either going to be that or Santi Cathola, the quietest feet in football, because uh, his first season with Arsenal on that left wing. Yeah, but Overmars, definitely a good shout. Santi Cazola, that's another great shout, by the way. Um, again, I think he's under he's overlooked in maybe terms of Arsenal squads because of what preceded him. But even yeah. when you look at his time in Spain, was it Villarreal he was in Spain? He was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Um, just a, a really brilliant player who was maybe overshadowed by the fact that he was in a team that maybe didn't do as, as well as they could have. Don't know about yourself, Eddie. I mean, how are you feeling about the team as a whole? Any changes or? Yeah, so I've really enjoyed talking about the team and and going over and I really enjoyed some of Danny's opinions on these players. Um, for me, the I, I'm really disappointed that Petit wasn't in there. I, I love Manuel Petit, um, and that's I, I think I would have had him in ahead of Fabregas, even though I've argued why Fabregas could be included. I, I still put Petit in ahead of him. Um, who was your ever centre midfielder? Sorry, Fabregas and But I, 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 you could never really have Burkamp, Henri, and Wright in the same team. So any any normal thinking Arsenal fan would have Burkamp and Henri. But I had to have Ian Wright in there. So by having Ian Wright, I had to yeah. go. Well, I can't have two. I can't have fullbacks. 
And so if I was trying to win the game, I would, I'd drop Keown, I'd have Cole, I'd have Dixon, and I'd drop Ian Wright and have Burnkamp and Wright out front. Burkamp and Henri out front. Yeah, okay. Um, again, Overmars as well is one that I was expecting to be in. Um, so yeah, I, I think I probably, as much as I, I like to argue with Scott on the picks, I think I would probably echo his thoughts. I would take Fabregas and um, Sanchez out and have Overmars and Petit in. But that's just because growing up as uh, when I was younger, when, when um, the Premier League was more exciting for me, I think because um, we weren't quite so saturated with football back then, they were the players that kind of stood out for me as as Arsenal players. They're, they're the kind of players that come to mind. And I think I'm, I'm really surprised to hear an Arsenal all-time 11 that didn't include Ashley Cole. But then, I don't know, has that got a lot to do with the fact that he went to Chelsea? I think it's the formation. Yeah, formation. Well, yeah, I know, but the formation, but like... I just I, I think when you when you're going for a team an Arsenal team Ashley Cole's probably one of the first names that go down on the sheet so you my head would have probably went for a formation that included Ashley Cole. If it had been a proper thought. formation, I would have done. I mean Ashley Cole would go down in in my left back as my best Premier League side. If I had to do a side of no Arsenal players, then Ashley Cole would be one of the first players I'd put in. Well, see, see when we see in Series One, uh, Ashley Cole was actually. And it, what, what, the way we scored it was the, the the team the the players that get picked the most automatically make the the winning eleven, mm. and then we maybe deliberate between whoever the uh, ones that were tied were. Ashley Cole was an outright left back. He 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 won it, and, and that uh, that's talking everybody's forever one, world eleven. One thing I will say though, I'm kind of glad. Well, I am glad that you didn't include him, and you found a way to come up formation that didn't include him because, like Scott said, he was included so much previously that going back over, and there's only so many times I can point out I hate Ashley Cole for getting together with Cheryl Cole and then subsequently <laughs> treating her like crap. Um, I would have went on one of your type rants if I was on mm. him again. Oh, but, yeah, um, so so it was, I do appreciate the fact that you've managed to go slightly different and, and find a team where he's not included. But yeah, for me, missing Petit is uh, the big one and then I probably would have included over Mars, over Sanchez. But Overall, it's been a really, really fun team to talk about. Um, some absolutely fantastic players. And I've really, really enjoyed listening to you talk about your feelings about some of these players and in particular Barcelona as well, because I, I'm not a fan of Barcelona either. And I'm not just making it up for your show. Go back to uh, <laughs> 10 years people have been putting up with my moaning about it to the point where I don't even bother anymore. So, yeah, it's a long held. But oddly, I don't have any hatred for Overmars because that helped by the players that helped uh, Arsene Wenger go on and do more stuff. And so did I mean, uh, Nicholas and Elka paid for our training centre. So at least we got something out of that. I mean, see, for if, if you continue to listen on, like, I mean, me going off my nut about maybe Bobby Perez or Emmanuel Petit not being in there, see if, uh, if the Chelsea pod decides that they're not including Gianfranco Zola, I might, if I might throw my laptop against the wall. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's players as a neutral. I mean, like I said, it's, it's your team, but at the same time, You've been, uh, you've said what 400 Arsenal games. I've not. Yeah. You've seen them in the flesh, so you've got every right to to call us out on it. But like I said, I think for me and Eddie, it's been pure nostalgia and early exposure to English football through the channels that we were able to get as as kids. So yeah, no, uh, love the majority of the team. And Andrew, being a cheeky bastard as always, steers me away with one that he knows I'm going to just go for. He just leaves it dangling. <laughs> I was giggling. Or Perez, man. 
One thing, yeah. Enough, so I've got to love how you were Scott, complaining about the tap ins I got, right? But you had David <laughs> Seaman. I was going to say the goalkeeping and Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very sorry, but see, at the time we didn't know it was going to be a complete Arsenal eleven until we got to like player three and we went, this is going to be completely Arsenal, isn't it? That's how bitter I am. There's only Arsenal players in there. I'm not having, I'm not having any other non-Arsenal players in my Premier League eleven because I hate them all. Well, the no, good thing is, Danny, the bitterness barely came across in the, in the <laughs> podcast, really. So, yeah, I'm not sure it's fine. Uh, That's the thing. If I hear one more time, it's just like, this goalkeeper has scored 13 goals. He, he won <laughs> 92. It's like, here we go again. But, no, it was, it was 92. I heard English goalkeeper. I'm like, oh, he's going along. It might be going along the Arsenal route here. And then a couple of other clues. That was that bang. Obviously, David Seaman. So... So um, one thing we typically do uh, to surprise all the guests uh, at the end is ask, you've put together your team. We've got a formation and everything. Um, oh, that's not good. Two questions for you, Danny. Oh, who's dear. the captain and who's managing this team? Manager's got to be Bruce Rioch, isn't it? <laughs> captain, uh, <laughs> Tony Adams, all day long. That's not even it's not even a question. The greatest, uh, the greatest Arsenal captain. And I am going to say... Uh, George Graham, because I love George Graham and I don't like Arsene Wenger. There's two Arsene Wengers. The first half and the second half. First half I love, the second half I can't stand. He killed the club. So I'm going to go George Graham, because that'll piss people off even more. <laughs> because my favourite times as an Arsenal fan was under the, in, in the George Graham years. When I, when I started going in 1987 when I was 17. And happy, happy days. That's the feeling I've got as an Arsenal fan now with Arteta, is just like how I felt in those early days of all the young players coming through. And the style of football is completely different, <laughs> but the the feeling and the togetherness is is very similar to what it was back then. So I'm going to say George Graham, although it probably wouldn't work, and I should say Arsene Wenger. But this is my me getting my my revenge back on Wenger for for the, the last ten years of his tenure. Not like, well, like always... an invincible season or anything, you know. Uh, exactly. Uh, what's what's Arsene Wenger ever done for us, right? No, the invincible was the first. Uh, the first ten years was a. Uh, 97 to 2007 and then the second was 2007 8 to the end so just about squeezing with the the invincibles in the champions league final everything before after that rubbish it's not like we're bitter about steven gerrard you know what i mean given us an invincible season and then fuck it fucking off well, you, you play dog fight at the bottom of the premier league you can get him back soon when he back christmas you should be out he'll be back on the no, thanks yeah we've got a better manager now hopefully Phew. still <laughs> He'll be our um, manager one day. Ugeo. Well, yeah, I, I think he will. The nice. good thing is that um, our manager is probably going to manage at Anfield before Stephen Gerrard is, so that's going to be good. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Danny, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure going through this team. Um, you know, we've obviously gone relatively long, you know, just for a change, right? Um, but it's um, it's been a delight uh, going through your team, listening to your opinions, listening to how much you hate some of the players you picked for it as well. Um, but honestly, it's been a pleasure, mate, and thank you for uh, for coming on. Thank you for asking me. It's been it's been an absolute joy speaking to you three. And I'm going to go and find your pod, and I'm going to go and listen to all the old ones now. And uh, if you ever are going to do the World Eleven ones, maybe give me a give me a call again because I'll have a very interesting. No hatred in my World Eleven, so it won't be as fun. But you know, it'd, be, it'd be quite it'd be a lot of uh, weird haircuts. That's all I can say. All right. Well, I want to thank uh, my two regular co-hosts. Uh, first of all, Scott. Thank you again, mate. 
No, thank you, and thanks to Danny. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thoroughly enjoyed this one. Thanks. And uh, Eddie, thanks again, mate. Yeah, no, like Scott said, this has uh, been a really fun one to record. I've really enjoyed it. Um, and thanks again for hosting, Andrew, and thanks again for losing, Scott. Uh, yeah if we want to talk bitterness uh, that's going to grow and grow I think Uh, Danny again want to emphasise it's been an absolute pleasure having you on but um, yeah uh, absolute pleasure and strongly recommend that anyone listening to this uh, look up the Burkamp Wonderland Uh, to everyone listening thank you very much if you like what you've heard um, we encourage you obviously to check out Danny's podcast but if you enjoyed this and you enjoy the work we do uh, please consider subscribing thanks again for listening And goodbye.